Welcome, everyone, to the Apex Sunday podcast, where myself, Robert Ross, and John Dowsett discuss Formula One races, news, and events. And if you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, comment, and share. And John, before we start, uh, let's talk about Kimi Raikkonen. It's his last race, uh, also his teammate's last race, but you know he wasn't in Formula One that long. Sad to see Kimi go. I mean, he's such a He's finished, like he contended for the championship multiple times. He only won one, but he finished second and third a couple times in the championship. And uh, Mark Priestley said that when he, had, when he was working with Kimmy, that he was, his speed was incredible and he could get the most out of a car. What are your memories of Kimmy Raikkonen? Just his insane car control. His mm-hmm. insane car control. He, he could drive like Gilles Villeneuve, you know, on the limit and, and uh, somehow hold it together, which is, there aren't a lot of drivers like that. Very mm-hmm. phenomenal. But before we do that, I have to say this, this show is brought to you by whiskey ah. because oh, bad. what a race. <laughs> and a true. Kimmy and I drink to Kimmy and I drink to Kimmy because he's the guy I'm going to miss Kimmy a lot. He won the driver of the day. And like you suggested, I, Voted for the first time as well and voted for <laughs> Kimmy. <laughs> it seemed that seemed to be a plan for a lot of people. So, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Um, and I remember very distinctly that race where his front suspension was damaged and he just on the last two laps, had two laps to go and it exploded on him. <laughs> you know, that was such a great race. And uh, his pass around uh, Suzuka was very famous as well. So, yes. He didn't. Didn't do too well. Well, compared to Seb and Alonso in the Ferrari, I mean, he only had one win in the Ferrari, so I thought that was a little bit odd. But you know, uh, Alfa Romeo would love to have him back when, or love to have him when he signed for them. And uh, the Lotus team really liked him as well, and he won a race for them too. <laughs> yes, yes. So, which was my first. I, I I love Lotus. I mean, Colin Chapman is a was a god to me, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it wasn't really a Lotus that he was no. racing, but you know, still to see him in, in Lotus colors, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, it was basically sort of a Renault B team before Renault came back in, right? So Yeah. And, and he rung he rung everything out of that car. Did not belong anywhere near a podium. And I remember him coming in second and and which was just epic. It would be like Haas coming in second. And <laughs> and when he was interviewed, they said, what do you think about this? He must be excited. He said, well, it would have been better if it was first. And I just thought, yeah. that's all Kimmy. Yeah. Well, he finished yeah. second in 2003 and 2005. First in 2007 with Ferrari. Third in 2008. Another third with that Lotus team in 2012. Unbelievable. And a third in, with Ferrari in 2018. But with Alfa Romeo, to no one's surprise, is 12th, 16th, and 16th. But, you know, that's to be expected from yeah. uh, that type of team. All right, so should we move on to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? And we'll start with qualifying. So for Q1, I thought, we had Ocon impeding Vettel, but Vettel got in, so there was no sort of big issue with that. Mazepin was eight tenths behind Schumacher in Q1. Ended up he's COVID positive and didn't have to race anyway. So, mm-hmm. 
Q2, we had Max locking his tires again on the mediums, which forced him to go to the softs for the start of the race. And Yuki was really, really good in qualifying and, and in the race for that matter as well. A lot of traffic again in Q2 on the circuit. That seems to be a continuing issue with uh, qualifying. And uh, Gasly had some brake problems, so he only qualified 12th. But once again, he did amazing in the race. The two AlphaTauri drivers, you may guess who one of them will be my driver of the race. And in Q3, uh, Norris getting third, spectacular again. I mean, he slipped to six in the championship ultimately. But, you know, given this car that he had, he, he did such a spectacular season. Science did very well, and Bottas had an older engine, so he didn't qualify that well and didn't seem to be a factor in the race. Those are my thoughts on qualifying. Anything from you? Um, yeah, I, Yuki was stunning. Mm -hmm. um, once He's again. been on this course before, so you know maybe with the experience on all these courses next season, he'll shine a, a lot more. I hope so. I hope mm -hmm. so. Uh, Vettel, you know, once again, just really lousy luck. And I think the big one for me was Max flat spotting a tire, mm -hmm. um, just showing the pressure coming into this and him doing his typical, you know, full bore, going full bore and, and toasting what should have been his uh, race starting tires. Right, right. Yeah. All right. So should we move on to the uh, controversial race? <laughs> yes. Before we talk talk about the controversy, you know, Hamilton had a good start. Uh, Amazing start. Yeah. I mean, that was really nice to see because, you know, a good start is kind of essential in Formula One. Although, given his speed, he could have had Max start in front of him and perhaps caught up. The issue there is, you know, is there going to be some contact and so forth? Um, we'll get to the first lap incident and that no investigation, which... It's like Brazil again, which, you know, not too unexpected, but utterly bizarre. I will say that for me, the highlight of the race was Perez versus Hamilton. That's proper, you know, racing where they were hard with each other, but totally fair, stayed on track. I mean, Perez had to slow him down. Some people don't like that. But I remember when Lewis tried to slow down Rosberg. I thought, yeah, that's not very nice or that's not very sporting. But after that race, most of the drivers said they would have done the same. So apparently that's a thing you can do. So absolutely. That's fine, right? Absolutely. So. And and I used to do the same thing. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I wouldn't do the same thing, but I would adjust my line um ever so slightly just to protect myself in corners. Right. Um and that's, you know, I, there are many people who will say that I've talked to that have said that that dice is what got Max the championship because mm -hmm. without that, uh, Verstappen couldn't have gone in and got the window right. to get a, a set of tires. Right. And, and that's huge. Going mm -hmm. back, we have to go back to that pass lap and, one. and lap one. Um, but, but before we do that, what did you think of the Perez Hamilton battle? Oh, I really enjoyed it was, that. It was the best dice of the year. It mm -hmm. was it was phenomenal. I giggled a little bit at at um, the radio with yeah. Hamilton saying, "This is dangerous." 
again, the pressure and all that too, I guess. Well, you know what? That was a message to the FIA, wasn't it? It was, that's all right. that was. There was right. nothing else. He was probably having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I, to me, I agree. It was the best dice of the season and it was nice to see Red Bull versus Mercedes done properly. And that's, you know, yeah. at the last race of the season, unfortunately, but there we go. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, go ahead and talk about uh, the uh, first controversial incident. My my take on that is mm -hmm. once again the FIA just completely messed up. Yes, you know, it, Max should have been let by. Yeah. Uh, unfair advantage. Simple, simple as that. Would Lewis have caught him and passed him again? Absolutely, because he had great pace. Yes. Would they have come together? Quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at the at the same time, you know. Once again, the FIA is, is you know, being a, a, a sort of like figure skating and they're making a judgment call that just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll get to, I'll talk more about the FIA when we get to the, the safety car restart. Yeah, I guess. But, you know, I found it funny that Crofty immediately compared it to Brazil and said it's very similar, like no decision and... It's not exactly the same pushing off and all that, but still results in the same, no investigation whatsoever. And he talked to Christian Horner and Christian insisted it was different, but it wasn't. I mean, no investigation. And what's the justification for that? I just don't understand the FIA's. I mean, we can blame Massey. I mean, he's part of it, but it comes from the very top down as far as I'm concerned. You know, you've got to get, things in order and there's not... more than one person there's more than one person right mm -hmm. yes. and, and i mean there's a wall of people you know behind that that um that glass and yeah it, i don't get it I, I seriously don't get it yeah and so let's move on to the safety car and the before we get there before yep. we get there lewis's race was impeccable as was in my mind, um, his engineer's choices of, of not bringing him in right. and leaving him out. And he managed his tires and drove cleanly and yeah. drove a perfect race. Yeah, he was brilliant for sure. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, we were all convinced he would win <laughs> with that kind of performance, right? Yeah. But then that crash with Latifi, and I'll have to say, Kind of goes without saying, but it's just so absurd that people are angry at Latifi. Hey, listen, the Dutch love Canadians because of what we did in the war. Mm. And, you know, they love us even more now because of <laughs> Latifi. We, we stand up for them again. <laughs> and Christian Horner, I don't know if he was joking. I thought it might have been in bad taste, but no, no big deal about he's going to give Latifi a lifetime supply of Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if athletes drink that nonsense because it's oh god it's, no it's terrible right no <laughs> so, no yeah but you know the race is overshadowed by the restart at the end and once again everyone's confused first off they're saying they're not going to let the lap traffic by then all of a sudden they do but it's only up to max and then this. The traffic behind Max is not allowed to go. Right. They're confused about that. 
the drivers that wanted that lap traffic away from them are saying, what's going on? And even Max said he felt kind of, he felt for Hamilton for the way he lost it. It's, it just, to me, rules do not, they should be applied regardless of the situation. You know, oh, these two are fighting for championships. The rules need to be changed a little bit or, or massaged. That's not the way to do it. The rules are the rules. You got to enforce them. But this year in particular, the rules are, have not been clear and everyone's been complaining about it throughout the year. And then they end the very last lap with another bunch of nonsense again, basically. And I would say that regardless of who it affected, like if Max was in front and Lewis was in this position, same thing happened, it would still be just as absurd. It has nothing to do with the drivers in this case. And I have to say that Max drove a clean race for the most part. You know, he did. He, dro he drove a great race. Yeah, so that was nice to see. I mean, we were both concerned about that, but he proved us mm -hmm. wrong, so that was good. But, I mean, I've, social media is not scientific, but a lot of people <laughs> are very upset about this, and a lot of people are saying they're done with F1. MotoGP trended afterwards. There's a bunch of MotoGP guys going, ah, come over here, leave those guys alone, <laughs> you know? Um, hey, listen, I'm one of them. This, this is, mm -hmm. it was... This is the 50th anniversary of me attending my first F1 race. Right. And, and it was probably three or four years prior to that that I started following F1. Yep. And my initial feeling right off the top was, I'm done. I, I, and there'd be many times where I've said, you know what, yeah, if I miss a race, I haven't missed a race. Mm -hmm. I, I will not miss a race. And I get to Monaco. Usually it's about Monaco where I've had enough and the Monaco race happens and I get excited again. Or I get back into it. Right. And and I think it's since Liberty Media took over that when something like this happens, oh man, I just kind of it yeah. just cuts me to the quick. And I think, do I really want to watch this? I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna listen, I'm I'm an addict, so I'm gonna continue to watch it. But that was just brutal because one of the highlights of motorsport, all of motorsport, all of motorsport, not just F1, is the fact that it is not a judged sport. Yes. It is based on hard fact that you finished first or third and there's luck involved. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. did you have the right tires? Did it rain and you didn't get all of the other things that come into it? An engineer that doesn't call you in at the right time tire pressures, whatever. Yep. There are all kinds of other things that play into it, but not somebody sitting behind a desk that can make or break a race. And that mm. is exactly what happened here. Yeah, it was ridiculous, like saying, we're not going to then suddenly changing the mind and pushing them through, but not all of them properly. It was, it was again, just another mess. I mean, we called the last race a clown show and this race itself wasn't a clown show, but the policing of it was just terrible. <laughs> the whole race had me completely engulfed. Yeah, my heart thing. was pumping. My the heart tension was tension through the whole yeah. race. And then right at the end, it takes you to this crescendo and then gives you a gut punch. And mm -hmm. look at I'm happy for Max. I'm happy for Max. And I'm so very impressed with Lewis Hamilton and how he approached it. Uh, yes. I, I'll guarantee you that there aren't many drivers that would have the, have the, uh, wherewithal and to come up in front of a camera and congratulate Mac. Yeah. And and what does Mac say? 
Max after the race said, you know, if I'd been driving Lewis's car, I would have won the championship by now. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. My appreciation for Lewis has gone up this season for sure. You know, in regards to watching F1, I was like you for a very long time. I didn't miss a race. I would, you know, get up at, all, all hours of the day. I remember yes. once being at a cottage and watching it through like a snowy antenna. Uh, it was the uh, Hungarian Grand Prix back in Schumacher's uh, Benetton days. You know, people were like, what are you watching this? You can barely see it. So I can see enough. <laughs> I can see enough. But, you know, ever, as you know, ever since I got into MotoGP, my F1 love has suffered. And I have missed races, not this season, but the last two. I wasn't an ardent F1 watcher. I was very encouraged by the new rules. And so I thought I'd start again this season, even though they didn't, it was delayed by COVID. And in the future, I will say that if this kind of refereeing continues, it may turn me off completely. But I am very encouraged by Russell going to Mercedes. That's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the new, like all the other new drivers, like Norris, Yuki, Gasly, mm -hmm. even the old drivers like Alonso, uh, yes. maybe Vettel, if, if they build a good car for Vettel. You know, these are, in Ocon, of course, these are very good drivers and they could have a very bright future. And I do hope that, like MotoGP, more, more, more drivers can win more consistently and more often than just two or three, you know, we had Daniel win a race and Ocon win a race, but dominated by Max and Lewis. And I know that's how it's always been, but that doesn't mean it has to always be that way. And I hope that the new rules make a change, but that's just a hope. We have to wait and see how they, you know, how each team responds and what they build. And we have a pair of Canadians, which is big for me. Um, um, and Latifi now, has improved a lot this year. Now, there was a driver and mm -hmm. I'm trying to yank it out of my head now, uh, who said that they were very disappointed because they made it into F1, uh, but somebody who was better than them did not. Right. And, 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 this is, and this is something that's disturbing me about Formula One. I think that disturbs me just as much as the FIA and, and how much they're yes. becoming uh, judges. Well, and, back to Kimi and Alonso, right? I mean, they have championships, but they certainly were capable of winning more. I don't know. Like, there are drivers that could have won and never did. And, you know, people talking about, you know, pay drivers and so forth. But that's the nature of the sport now. Like, it's so expensive that, you know, like the Formula 2 winner is not going to be in F1 next season. And that's, that's not good, is it? No. He should no. be in. He should yes. be in. It should be a, it should be a buy. And, mm -hmm. and, and instead it's, well, anyway, that's, that annoys me beyond belief, mm -hmm. but we've gone, we've gone past this, uh, priority of driving skill that right. goes way back. But as you say there, now there's money. How much is, does it cost for a season of F3 to get to F2, let alone what does it cost to run a season of F2? Yeah. Uh, yeah. which instantly means that that the drivers that are coming up the ranks either are very connected, come mm -hmm. from wealthy or come from wealthy families, 
and no longer are we going to have a Jimmy Clark who's a sheep farmer or um, a McLaren whose dad owned a, a, a local gas station. They're not going to have the ability to do what, what yeah. uh, you know, what people are, are, have done in the, in the past. It's interesting. If you look at Lewis, for example, I know he wasn't from a rich family, if I remember correctly. Not at all. But he was so good as a youngster that he got sponsorship. So that's the only way. Like you have to be spectacular as a youngster coming from nothing yes. and sacrifice a lot to even get there because they risked everything to support Lewis in his early days. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, he happened to be, you know, one of the best F1 drivers we've seen, I think. And a lot of them aren't. And those families will suffer for trying to get their, their kids into it. Um, Lewis was, you know, people, oh, he got all this sponsorship. No wonder he's so good. But I would say it again. He delivered. That's why it was justified. He came in and delivered his, throughout his entire career, as far as I'm concerned. Let, let's look back at the recent greats and compare him. Like, let's compare him to Senna. Let's compare him to Michael Schumacher, who are the last two epic, you know, people would say they're the gods. Yeah. And if you go through Senna's career, did he ever drive like an absolute and, and drive into people to win a championship at win at all costs? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Schumacher, well, that was his modus operandi every race. And I was explaining this to somebody yesterday where if you dove up the inside or if Schumacher dove up the inside of you on a corner, you just got out of the way because he's going to wreck you. Either you let him by or he's going to wreck you. And after a few years of that, drivers who want to keep their sponsorship, who want to keep their rides, who have to finish races to get points to keep their ride, just yeah. got out of his way. Right. So in my mind, how many times have you seen Hamilton do this? And in my mind, because of that, he's a cleaner, better driver than Senna. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Or, or Schumacher. Yeah. Um, pretty phenomenal driver. Yes. And continues to learn, as did Schumacher, as did Senna. But, wow. Yeah, he's coming. He's 37 or going to be 37, and he's still ultra competitive. I mean, you could say it's the car, but, you know, the, the only teammate who's beaten him I guess Button beat him once, but not for the championship, but in terms of points. But, you know, it was very close. Over the two years, Hamilton had more points, but it was Nico Rosberg. And, yeah. you know, they hate each other <laughs> to this day still. And they were buddies. And they were yeah. good buddies. Like, they, they came up through the ranks together with Harding. And mm -hmm. they were best pals. And um, we'll never really know what went down. You no. know, there's there's rumors of, of Nico's team uh, bagging old parts in Hamilton's paddock. So he was getting old parts put on. <laughs> so Lewis was getting old parts put on his car. There's rumors that he played psychological games like there were no tomorrow with Lewis. Um, that's the way he won. He, did, yeah. he, def he definitely didn't win on track. You know, he de definitely, there was more to it than just driving ability. Yeah, I mean, I think to me it was that Monaco incident. Lewis, whether it's true or not, is convinced that Nico did it on purpose, as far as I can tell, and so got the pole position for that. And maybe the 
the the uh, collisions they had a couple of collisions but yeah it got really nasty and it was kind of sad to see because nico yeah i thought he was extremely impressive in williams so he deserved a mercedes drive and yes. uh you know it's too bad that he won his championship in complete misery you know <laughs> and this isn't something that Bottas did or any other number two did. Right. And I don't care what anybody said. It's a team sport. And a number two driver is a number two driver. And people talk about Bottas and poor Bottas. Well, no. Bottas got to drive the best car yep. and he knew exactly what he was getting into. You're, yes. a, you're a number two and it's your job to help Lewis. It's just like Perez. Look at Perez in that race. I mean, yeah. oh my good Lord, this, the Abu Dhabi race and what Perez did was just epic. What that's Alonso why did, him. what Alonso did for Ocon, you know, it's, that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, that's how you get some wins in those situations, and you know, that's why they hired Perez. And you know, he wasn't the greatest all year, but he delivered in that race for sure. And he put him on pole. He put Verstappen on pole with the toe. Right, right. So. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, again, back to that Perez-Hamilton battle. I mean, I just love that to death. That was so good. You know? I've watched it five or six times. Oh, really? Okay. Just that battle. <laughs> and you know what? Go in and, go in and watch it from, from in car, and it's just oh, epic. Right, right. And I, and I saw the telemetry from it, too. And you mm -hmm. could see how he's backing out. He's not going full chat to keep Hamilton slow down. And what was it? It was something like seven seconds. Seven just over seconds. just over six, like six and a half, and it got down to what two or something. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. within two laps too, right? So, yeah. yeah, that was you know that was the highlight of the race for me for sure. Is there anything else to say about the race or the FIA or Massey or <laughs> or the Stewarts or the the appeal by Mercedes and all that stuff? I, I'm just sick of this kind of nonsense for, for the most part. Well, Max Max had a great race, and he did exactly what I expected him to do. Overly aggressive, but that's what got him where he is today. Um, to to win that uh, that corner right in the first lap, uh, and secondly, to watch him uh, pass Lewis under mm -hmm. the safety car. Just, uh, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. I was wondering what the hell he was doing. Me too. And, yeah, that and was odd. Now, to call a championship on that by giving him a penalty, I fully agree just to let it go. Yeah. Because by the time, you know, they crossed the line, he wasn't hmm. banging wheels with them. Uh, and this whole, it's all been up. How they call things has been up in the air all season anyways. <laughs> right. Right. Now, they had two protests. Now they're going to appeal the championship. Good on them. Nothing's going to happen. No, no. And I, you know, it can't really. I mean, regardless of how terribly this sport's been officiated all year, it's done. The season's over with. And, and that's they, racing. Yeah. And hopefully they make a better, better time of it next season. I will say two things. One, and I brought this up before. I still don't like that they got rid of aggregate timing because that kept the gaps in place. No matter if there's a red flag, a yellow flag, they didn't have virtual safety cars when they eliminated that. But 
Yeah. They said it was too confusing for people, but these rules are like, the rules aren't very confusing. It's the enforcement that's utterly confusing. So I don't see any difference really. So aggregate timing, you know, it reminded me of going to like an IndyCar type of formula where you lose all your, your leads just because some other guy crashed. And I know it's been that way in F1 now for years, but there was a time when it wasn't, and I've never understood why they eliminated that rule. And NASCAR, they do it. And NASCAR, they actually have it built in. So whether there's a safety car or not, they bunch them back up again. Yeah. <laughs> so what's so the why, point of all the rest of the race, right? Right. So, so Lewis's brilliant drive, brilliant drive, just get thrown out the window. Yeah. And yeah. that's tragic. I feel, I feel for Lewis. Um, and it's happened okay. in other races this season, too, where you know, the right. safety cars have screwed other drivers out. So. And who was uh, number three in the race? Who come, came in third? Yeah, Carlos. Whoa! Nice job, Carlos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because Ferrari and Ferrari finished third in the championship behind Red Bull and Mercedes and the constructors. Um, Ferrari needs to improve, though. You know, they didn't win a race all season, if I remember correctly. Uh, they got a pole with uh, Leclerc. But, you know, that team should be fighting for championships, given their uh, pedigree and so forth. But perhaps that they just will doesn't... be. Yeah, they will be. I don't know when, but they will be. We'll come back. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's the season. Mm -hmm. Done. And dusted. Yeah. So what are you what are you going to rate the race? Oh, that's so tough. That's so tough. If you want to take out. The fiasco at the end, I would rate it a 10 out of 10. Right. Well, I can't remember the last time a race kept me, you know, pinned for the entire race. And yes. it did. Um, so I give it a two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, it was a 10 until the end. You can, you know, the first lap incident, the lack of investigation, I think ultimately didn't really matter. although. You know, we might have had some some good racing between Max and Lewis if Lewis was forced to let that let him buy. But uh, yeah, the end just destroyed it for so many people. And even you know, we talk about sort of the uh, the Max fans and the Lewis fans, and when we say that, we mean you know the blind fans who just the Netflix know, fans. Yeah, it just has to be this or that, and there's no there's it's all black and white. But a lot of people are saying, you know, on both sides, this was just not done well. This is just a terrible end to the championship in the last last lap. So it will cost them. It will cost them fans, and they've been replaced with hordes of fans from Netflix who are uh, star chasers. I, I, I'd like to call them. they they want the personality, they want the Max, or they want the Lewis, and and. They're just attached to that rather than the sport, rather than like you and I are watching it for the event. We're watching it for the whole, whole mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. my second point is Liberty Media being a promotional company and a media company. Is this the problem? Is, I mean, they can promote it all they want and they should, they should do. There's nothing wrong with Drive to Survive. I mean, it's not my cup of tea. I lasted five minutes before I turned it off. <laughs> 
I'm not a reality television type of guy. I mean, it's it's just a they're just infomercials basically. So there's that, but that's why I said from the top down, like what's going on? Like why was it so confusing, and why is the race director not being neutral? And I'm not saying he's favoring Max or Lewis, but he's favoring the show. It seems to me like oh, absolutely. Let's, you know. I want Bernie back. <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that for me. <laughs> I want Bernie back. Look, we didn't have this under Bernie. That's true. You know, I mean, we had one guy who really, and this is a man who, that was his life. He definitely made a lot of money for everyone in the sport too, right? He brought but in the sponsorship life. and all that. Yep. Liberty Media, yeah. it's a business. It's not their life. I mean, right? he was a car salesman. He was a car salesman who managed to buy Brabham who managed to get things going on his own and because of his chutzpah managed to become a billionaire by owning formula one mm. when he sold it to liberty media guess what liberty media is not a lifelong f1 no uh, freak no. and they're a marketing company so yeah you have to play you have to put this on their shoulders and yeah. they need to fix it. Will they fix it? I no. I think they're going to continue on, and now we're going to see Britney Spears playing in Canada before the concert, before the concert, before the race starts. Yeah, I, that's why I'm 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 going to start watching next season. But again, if the rules are enforced like this, then it's it's a joke, basically. You know. Like, well, you know what? We'll have a lot of fun doing Apex Sunday podcast then. We'll That's still true. watch it and we'll have fun doing it. I think that um, I'll tell you one thing. I am definitely going to start watching MotoGP. And in the off season, I'm, I'm probably going to watch the entire MotoGP season rather than going back and watching F1 again. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm all for covering MotoGP because that's my number one racing sport at the moment, for sure. So, and to, to speak to that, you know, back when Casey Stoner quit, he laid into Dorna, who manages MotoGP and the rules, and said, you know, this is a bunch of nonsense. Because at that time, it was more like F1, where their gaps were huge or larger than they are now, or much larger than they are now. But also, it was kind of a mixed class when it wasn't supposed to be. So they had sort of lower-end bikes in the championship that had no chance of winning. And I remember Casey saying about this one driver rider randy de says like he deserves a proper bike to compete in the top motorcycle sport in the world and he he left in disgust basically casey stoner and that was 2012. after that a couple of years after the whole sport's been cleaned up there's no dual sort of different classes of bikes and the racing is way 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 closer than ever before the exception being Mark Marquez, because he's the most impressive racer I've ever seen in my life, personally. I mean, I think since he came in in 2013, he has 57 victories, if I remember correctly. Well, all the other Honda riders have 12. <laughs> wow. So, and it's interesting that there's articles about Honda winning F1, which is nice for them, even though they're leaving. and failing to win in the two two wheel category for the last two years because Marquez has been injured. You know, um it's MotoGP is a sport where the bikes 
are relatively even now, but the riders make a massive difference, or they can. And in F1, we can see that with Lewis and Max, for, for example, Alonso, you know, those type of things. But in others, we don't, like we talked about last week with Mazepin and Schumacher, that's clear because Mazepin is just so much slower. But, you know, Latifi's improved this year. How good is he compared to Russell now? Difficult to say. You know, it's just hard to say in the lower, lower cars how good the drivers are sometimes. Well, he could be better than, he could be better than Russell. Could be. I mean, he's out, out qualified him. He's outraced him. Recently, uh, yeah. Recently. And, you know, it's taken him a little bit to get used to the car and F1. It's all new to him. It's not new to Russell. So, yeah, yeah I, who knows? It comes back down to our discussion in the past of if you've made it to F1, odds are you're a really good driver, with the exception yeah. of Mazepin. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. All right, so should we move on to news? Let's do it. All right, so not too much in the news, but I will say that apparently next season, the team principals will not be allowed to lobby during the race, which I think is a great decision. Perfect. Because we hear that publicly, which you can talk about transparency and so forth. But if it just didn't happen at all, perhaps that wouldn't, you know, affect the people making these decisions. I don't know. I mean, there's more to it than that, obviously, but that is definitely a factor. So happy to hear that if it's true. I've just read about it, but I'll believe it when I see it. And I also read about um, the uh, paved runoffs. You know, why do we have those instead of gravel? And the reason given was for safety, and that kind of makes sense. But I read an article that Tilka said that paved runoffs are on all the circuits now because the circuits don't make money off of F1. They make money off of pay drivers, like, you know, coming to the circuit to try out their Lamborghinis or their Ferraris or their Porsches. And they don't want to have an accident and spin off into the gravel and destroy their car. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it does make sense. Not to me. No, it doesn't? Not to me. No, no. I mean, it, it's, it's safety. And, and it, you can skip across the gravel. There's, there is still uh, a huge, huge, huge difference if you're on pavement right. rather than gravel. Will you get stuck in the gravel? Yeah. But if you're going like, look at what's in Senna's fatal accident. Mm -hmm. Look how he skipped across that gravel. Yeah. He just skipped. It didn't slow him down at all. Had it been no. pavement, he could have put it on. Yeah, it would have slowed him down a lot. Yeah, exactly. And he probably would have hit it at a different angle. And you know that, you know, it was a freak accident—the push rod hitting his head. But right, you know, yeah. So, but I that must be also a reason, a benefit for the day drivers. Like, didn't you uh, drive a Porsche once and? Something happened on track, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 there, and there wasn't a paved runoff. And I spun uh, a 600-plus horsepower Porsche 911 and went, hit the grass and messed up the S's and went off the track. And, yeah, yeah you hit grass and you just skip, skip across it. There, there wasn't a gravel trap there. Um, there also wasn't a wall there, so I didn't have anything to hit, thank God. 
Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've seen his suggestion on like in MotoGP, they have sensors. I mean, some of the tracks are the same. They have sensors in the green area. I said, you know, we should have electronic gravel traps, basically, that, you know, send their information back to race control. This guy totally went off. Apply a penalty. As a oh, my God. Because what happens now? You know, Alonzo went off on corner four. And what did they do? They replay eight camera angles over and over and over again. To, to, and there's this a huge pause. Well, you know what? If they had a transponder in there, it'd be like this. You know, mm -hmm. it, it just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so going back to um, the team principals not being able to uh, lobby. Lobby. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to continue to lobby. It'd be really nice if it stopped. But I think the Netflixian fans love that stuff. Right, love right. that stuff. Right. Um, you know, it's and it's marketing. You know, it's you know, it takes all. You know, I'm not the purveyor of how people should view F1 by any means. So I'm just going to present my perspective, and none of that stuff interests me. So that's why I'm in favor of you know getting rid of it. But I also think it is a factor in these weird decisions or it could be so they want to cater to the largest audience that they can instead of what it used to be right right and and developing at the highest level ah oh, man like that's what it is is it going to get butchered it looks like it is <laughs> yeah yeah i don't have much faith in you know, these big changes happening or correcting it. Everyone's up in uproar right now. I mean, basically everyone, even Red Bull saying, you know, we need to fix this kind of stuff. I didn't read specifically what they said, but, you know, it just, it's got to, it's got to improve massively, at least in my perspective. But if they get more viewers and the vast majority of people love it, then it won't change whatsoever. And it won't be much of a sport to me anymore if that's. Well, it's going to accelerate. It's going to accelerate. I, I, in my mind, it's going to accelerate. How many? What was the influx of of fans because of Drive to Survive was massive. Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's... it was probably bigger than their original fan. Well, maybe not bigger than the original fan base, but it was a huge, huge gain. And now, if we can get the masses rather than just the elite car freaks like you and me, right? Uh, uh, the petrol heads that are into it big time. But let's get everybody and their wives and their boyfriends and their anybody who's not even really interested in it, but now they're into it for the drama. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, that's when I got into F1, as I said before, Charlie put on the spa race of 1992. He had it on Betamax tape and he just put it on while I was visiting him. And I just loved the racing. I just, I, and I wasn't a race mm -hmm. fan before. I just, Oh, look at that. Look at Eau Rouge. Look how they're going through that corner. Look at, you know, what happened with the rain and the changing of the tires. And I just loved it right away, you know, and I just started watching it and I started watching it at home. And then my father and one of my sisters became fans of, you know, the racing. So. And the personality part of it was second nature. And it seems now the personality part come right to the front. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the driving. So otherwise, in news, uh, Max is going to put the number one on his car next season. So we haven't seen that in a while. I wow. don't really care either way, but good. Care. Yeah, like I that? do. 
I do. Yeah. That's tradition. And and he should have number one on his car. And it, and it kind of irks me that, that Lewis never did, because that's what you do. You're number one. You put number one on the car. Right, right. It reminds me of Rick Kruisberg ice racing, who put a Barbie doll on his, on his, uh, on the hood of his ice racer. And he had this, and, and I said, what's that about? And she's wearing a big sweater and goes up for qualifying and comes back. And he said, what's with the Barbie? He said, wait, 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 just wait. And then as he went out for the race, the first heat, he said, watch this. And he took all of Barbie's clothes off and said, this is going to mess everybody up. <laughs> there are lots of things that you can do to mess people up. I don't think that worked very well. But yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, have you heard of Award, the McLaren IndyCar driver? Yes. He finished third in the IndyCar championship. They gave yes. him a test at Abu Dhabi, and he's, he can't believe how amazing the car is. So it's like 10 times better than anything he's ever driven before. And it's the, the, the power, the grip. He said, you can do anything with this car. But then he acknowledged, but getting that last little bit got to be extremely difficult. So, you know, good on him for uh, giving a good compliment to F1. The last little tiny wee bit that I want to throw in there as I was very disappointed that Aiken didn't get to drive the Haas in the race because mm. it was just too late that Mazepin went out with COVID. I would have loved to see Aiken in that, in that other Haas. Although we may not have seen too much of him, but I guess we could see him in qualifying. And, well, actually... Right. No, we, we, but you know what? In we, the race. You, you, we would have seen him. There would have been clips. I mean, it, it would have been news because my guess is he would have been faster than Mick. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But interesting. Let's leave that alone. So that's it for the year. Now all we have is specials to do. Yeah. So we'll do a year in review for sure. And uh talk we'll do our um what was it? Uh goat. There, there is no goat, right? right? Although we both have if there is I do think there are sort of uh personal goats that like this person is my goat doesn't mean he's the goat to everyone doesn't mean he's the definitive goat and you mentioned earlier it was who was it again um sports car driver canadian ron fellows ron fellows of course and for me it's marquez so but we'll talk about all kinds of great drivers and riders and so forth so looking forward to that absolutely and uh we had planned to meet and do a broadcast but given the situation <laughs> in the world right now we're probably going to be staying remote for quite a while now it seems so mm -hmm. that's unfortunate but all right john thanks Thank for you very uh, much, Rob. great season overall regardless of the uh the nonsense but <laughs> yeah some enjoyable races for sure and uh it was nice to see two battling for the championship for a change and it's been a while since i guess rosberg's year so let's talk yep. later bye bye and Bye, and thank Bye. you everybody for watching and click the subscribe and the like and the comment and share. bell and comment share and and um and we'll see you at the next show because we're under Google's Google's thumb forces you to do these kind of things. <laughs> That's what marketing does, right? <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.